Could this be the season that when we go after God, could this be the season when we are lingering in His presence? Could be this season of prayer that's going to be that's going to produce the season of increase in the season to come? Because we all know this that prayer. We just sang before, Lord send revival, and and it's great to sing songs that say, Lord send revival. It's great to desire revival. It's great to desire awakening, but prayer always precedes revival. Uh, you know, sowing always precedes harvest are you getting what i'm saying hungry hearts always precedes an open heaven and it's great to come around a statement that says we want an open heaven we believe for an open heaven but it's a hungry heart that precedes that uh, and, and to really set the tone this morning i want to talk about a character in the bible that i've never preached about or never heard a sermon on before uh, and the character is hannah in fact i'm calling this message hungry Hannah. Hungry Hannah. Uh, and the reason I'm calling this message Hungry Hannah is because last week I shared on hunger. And I want you to understand that when I say hunger, some of you are like, praise God, I'm glad I'm in this church. Oh, I'm a bit hungry. I'm not talking about uh, praise God for physical hunger, but I'm talking about spiritual hunger. I'm talking about a deep innate desire within us for more a deep desire within us for God. Because if there's anything that is happening in this season, it's we've been interrupted by all that's out there. Out there. We need to keep up with what's happening. We need to make sure we're aware that we've got knowledge and information. But there's, if there's anything that's happening, it's coming in the way of, of, of going after God because we're constantly getting updates, constantly getting the news feed, constantly getting news flash. Uh, you know, all sorts of things, but, but if there's anything, any posture we need to hold on to in this time, it's the posture of hunger. It's the posture that says, I want to go after you. And, and, and this character in the Bible stood out to me because she was desperate. Now, we, we are here because of Jesus. We believe in Jesus. He's the Lord and Savior. And, and Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But how many of you know that Jesus came from the line of King David. You know who I'm talking about? You've got David and Goliath. He takes down the giant, becomes king. Uh, and, and, and it's an incredible story. We celebrate King David. But, but, but we got to understand this, but before King David was another king called King Saul, right? I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, but the guy that appointed both these guys, King David and King Saul, was a guy called Samuel. And so if we do not have Samuel in the mix we can go as far as to say that Jesus would not have been positioned where he needed to be because Jesus was positioned where he needed to be because of King David and King David was positioned where he was to be because of King Saul and King Saul was positioned where he was supposed to be because of Samuel. Are you tracking with me? So this character Samuel is, is, is catalytic and it was a catalyst in repositioning Israel in where it needed to be. So in first, there's a book in the Bible called 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel, God's chosen na nation, the nation that God was going to bring his Savior through, was going through all sorts of craziness. Not craziness in the sense of they didn't have peace or they weren't prosperous, but they were going through spiritual craziness. They were, they were not where God needed them to be. And before Samuel... There were all these other judges because in Israel they had what you call judges, right, or leaders. And if you actually look in the Bible, there's a book called Judges. And all the judges, 
there's something wrong with them. I don't know if you've ever felt this. They do like one thing right and 10 things wrong. You know, one day they win a battle and then they build an idol to themselves. Like, it's crazy. Then there's this other guy called Samson who's incredibly strong, but has got all sorts of weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? So, so Israel has been led for, for decades with a bunch of weird, wild leaders that don't know what they're about. And Samuel comes along, and in Samuel's lifetime, he repositions Israel into its destiny. See, we don't appreciate Samuel enough. Samuel was the one that brought an order. Samuel was the one that brought, uh, brought consistency. Samuel was the one that carried incredible character. He had no moral failings. Samuel, and here's the thing about Samuel, what stands out to me uh, about, about Samuel was that Samuel was born in a time where the temple was in a mess, the Ark of the Covenant was not being used for its purpose, uh, prophets weren't recognized, uh, kings and kingdoms were not established, priests were someone that was left in the back row. But for, 40 years into this, he, he, you know, he, he brings up all this sort of incredible reformation. But we sort of understand Samuel as this prophet guy. He just has a prophetic word, a prophetic word here and there. But he was an incredible leader. He judged Israel. He, he led the nation of Israel. Are you tracking with me? Uh, and, and so Samuel has this incredible uh, track record that reoriented Israel into everything it needed to be. If Samuel hadn't done those 40 years, Israel would not be repositioned even to the place of increase it needed to be for David to take on the kingdom. See, David looked good because Samuel made him look good. David looked good because Samuel set a base and a tone for him to lead the nation into an incredible season of prosperity. But the truth is, there would have been no Samuel if there wasn't no Hannah. And I want to talk about Hannah this morning because Hannah paid an incredible price for the birth of Samuel. See, I want to give you the paraphrased version of the story so you sort of know that it's going to be a happy story. And then I'm going to read certain portions of scriptures and I think there are going to be certain things that's going to come out from that. Is that cool? If it's not cool, I'm sorry. This is the only message I've got. So let's keep going. So the story is, there's a lady called Hannah. She's married to a guy called Elkanah. Elkanah has two wives. Let's all pray for Elkanah. <laughs> so Elkanah's got two wives. And, 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 and Hannah is the first one. And then there's this other girl whose name you'll read about. But the story goes on to say that Hannah, for whatever reason, cannot have kids, right? She can't have kids. Uh, and this other wife is having kids. And there's this competition going, uh, not, not from Hannah, but from the other one. She's always making fun of her. She's like, oh, not the, you know, nobody loves you. You don't have any family. No one's going to remember your name. No legacy. And the Bible says that, um, you know, Hannah gets desperate. She begins to go after God. She begins to pray. She begins to fast. She get, begins to go to the temple. In fact, in that particular culture, just so you know, most times women needed to go only during specific seasons. But Hannah was a person that was frequently going to the temple or rather to the church. And, and in this process of praying, she, all she wanted was a baby. Think about this. All she wanted was a child. She had no idea that this, this, this baby that one day she's going to have is going to be instrumental in repositioning Israel into incredible greatness. 
right? So she's praying and praying, and one day in the middle of a prayer, she makes a commitment, and she says, if you bless me with a son, I'm going to dedicate this boy to you. Her desperate sacrifice, what she did not realize was going to reposition everything for the goodness of all of humanity, because we are here because of Jesus, right? And so what begins to happen is I'm going to read now the breakdown of the text, and I'm going to take out three characteristics of hungry Hannah's. Because I believe in this day and age, God is looking for people that are willing to be a hungry Hannah. A lot of times we want King David. A lot of times we want the position of King Saul. A lot of times we want recognition and notoriety. But God is looking for a people group that's willing to be hungry Hannah to birth something that only they can birth with the tenacity that we had. Is that cool? First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was a son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, son of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. One, one of the days, Elkanah presented his sacrifice, that's Hannah's husband. He would give portion of the meat to Phinehas and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had not given her any children. Wow. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Some of you have been praying for a breakthrough but have no idea that God's keeping you from that breakthrough because he's about to produce something that is so amazing. Verse 7, year after year it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and could not even eat. Wow. Reduced to tears. So I want you to picture this, right? Hannah is in this home with all these kids surrounding her, but none of the kids are hers. And so her husband says, we're all going to church. And they go to church, but even in church, uh, her husband and this other wife and their kids, uh, you know, their kids are signing into kids' church and this birthdays are being celebrated and all sorts of things. And she's just there like this, third wheel in this relationship uh, that just seems really awkward. She goes to church to think that she can get some relief, but even there, she's being taunted and it's being more revealed how, how, you know, how bad she's doing, how horrible it is. I want you to picture with me her experience through life. Everywhere she's going, she's being reminded of what she does not have. If there was any time Hannah would be the perfect candidate to quit church, it would be right here, right now. Because she didn't feel welcomed by the worship experience. She didn't feel cared for. She didn't feel looked after. She gets the less portion of meat sort of subliminally telling her that she's less than the rest. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that is the position where she's at. And I want to talk about the first attribute of a hungry Hannah. Because in this season, that's what we've got to be. That's what we need to be. I believe this is a prophetic message. Number one is a hungry Hannah... Hungry Hannahs are humble. Hungry uh, Hannahs are humble. Hannah had every reason to not go to the house of God. 
Hannah had every reason to, to sort of say, I don't want to be a part of this. But what I like about her is she turned up in spite of. She turned up despite of the comments. She turned up even if she didn't feel blessed. And what you got to understand is culturally, if you re read the Bible, you know that this, this thing is a common thing uh, between wives and partners and things because Abraham had Sarah and Hagar and Sarah and Hagar had their enmity. Uh, you've got the wives of Jacob uh, and his wives fought against each other. In fact, they would like almost like gamble the relationship. It was quite manipulative what happened in this. But if you notice between Hannah and this other lady, never once did she negotiate a thing. Never once did she quarrel. Never once did she argue. Never once did she try to slander this other woman. But she just took it to the Lord. Because that's what humility is. Humility is the ability to not go after something that you think you have the legal right to even go after. Are you with me? Humility is saying, God is my judge. God is my provider. God is my source. God takes, we need to be careful because we live in such a politically correct age that we have taken as, you know the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We've forgotten the says the Lord part. We've just gone, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, right? But what I love about Hannah is she forgets all the drama, doesn't get involved with it, and just brings it before the presence of God. Let me tell you, in this day and age, the kind of people that God is about to use, the kind of people that God is going to do something great through are people that carry a spirit of humility, are people that say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go after a competition. I'm not going to put on a fight. I'm not going to fight with my sister. I'm not going to fight with my brother. I, I, what they've done is unfair. What they've done is untrue. It's not right. It's, it's wrong. But I'm going to bring this before God. I do not know who taught Hannah this. I do not know which Bible college she went to. I do not know how she was educated this way, but something in her said, I'm going to focus all my energy to the presence of God. In other words, she said, I'm not going to put a fight to my husband. I'm not going to put a fight to, this, to his other wife. I'm not going to make the attention about me. In other words, you know what she did? She said, I'm not going to put this kind of a fight, but this is how I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to fight this battle on my knees. I'm going to fight my battles with my hands stretched up high. I'm going to fight my battles in the presence of God. I'm going to fight my battle as I get into the Word. I'm going to fight this battle in fasting and prayer, which is why the Word says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers of darkness. And that kind of fight is not where you turn up with an opinion. That's not the kind of fight where you turn up with the loudest sound. That's not the kind of fight that you turn up with an education. That's not the kind of fight you turn up with a bachelor's degree. No, this kind of fight you turn up on your knees. This kind of fight you say, God, I humble myself. God, I'm going after you. God, I'm praying. Yes, this is unfair. Yes, this is inconvenient. But I'm praying and I'm seeking you. And all of a sudden when you walk in that kind of humility, all of heaven listens. Hungry Hannah's walk in humility. Are you with me? We got to understand this. Verse 9, just reading on the story. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. 
Keep in mind, she still hasn't had a breakthrough. She still hasn't had this baby. She's still tormented. She's still defeated. She still feels weak. She still feels uh, ch cheated on. She feel, still feels second class. Eli, the priest, is sitting. Eli is the pastor. The customary table beside the entrance. And check out verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I, I, I felt this as I read this a couple of weeks back. I begin, to say, I begin to feel in my spirit that God is saying, I'm looking for a bunch of people that are willing to go after me with incredibly deep anguish. People that will say enough is enough. People that will say there is more in me. See, the reason why Hannah was praying was because she knew there was something within her. The moment, the, the reason why Hannah was praying was because she felt a kick in her before the baby ever arrived. The reason why she was in deep anguish was because she knew that God had called her for more. Is it just me or is there anybody else that's here in the room or, or, or online that feel that God's called you for more? You haven't yet seen it yet. It's not here yet. It's not come through. You're not even sure if it's going to happen, but there's a deep anguish in your soul and you're saying there's got to be more. If that is your prayer, if that is your mantra, if that is where you're seated, then this message is for you. And I want you to take joy in the knowledge that when you're in deep anguish, our Father in heaven listens with great eagerness. He listens with great anticipation. He li listens with, with that level of understanding. And that is where Hannah was. She was in deep anguish. But look at what it says in verse 11. In the middle of her anguish, she makes this promise. She makes this vow. She made this vow in verse 11. O Lord of heaven's army, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayers and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for this entire lifetime. And as a sign, he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will not be cut. So as she's praying, I want you to picture this, right? She's in incredible desperation. The girl's been tormented at home. She's been all sorts of statements, right? Society is frowning on her. She's in what she thinks is the safest place, the church, the house of God, in God's presence. And she's making this deep vow with God. This is the moment. This, some of us read it like it happened the next day. As she's doing that, verse 12, as she was praying, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but, not, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. <laughs> Must you come here drunk? Throw away your wine. Verse 15. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking or wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Verse 17. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. I want us to jump to verse 19. It says, the entire family got up the next morning, went to worship. Then they returned home. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. Wow. I want, I, I praise God, let's, let's thank God for Samuel, but I want to take a moment before that. Hannah is in the middle of her deepest prayer. She's in the middle of her deepest anguish. She's distressed, she's tormented. 
And Mr. Discerning Pastor Eli comes along. Well, I've just been feeling my spirit that you've been drinking a bit too much. Right? I want you to see her condition. Rejected at home. Rejected in marriage. Rejected at the worship festival. Now, rejected by what embodies the spiritual leader. If there was any time Hannah qualified to be offended, it's right now. But hungry Hannah's walk in honor. Did you get what I said? Hungry Hannah's walk in honor. You know another translation says when, when Eli pointed her out and obviously missed it by 10 miles, she says, no, my Lord. In other words, she still revered him. She still recognized him. She still understood him as God's authority. And what, what, they needed, what Eli needed to work out between God is between God and Eli. But she was not going to poke her nose into that. But she said, this is what I think about the heart that she had. Think about the honor that she carried. Think about the understanding that she had. And, and I, I've come to this that, you know, if this happened today, well, watch out, Google Reviews. If this happened today, well, watch out, Facebook. It's going to be a storm somewhere. If this happened in this day and age, well, watch out, Channel 9. could be a story of abuse in leadership. If this happened today, what would have been the case? You know, I've, I've experienced this in my own life. Where I've been in seasons where someone's preaching about something and, ah, oh, that sits with me and that doesn't sit with me and, but you know, the day of great beginnings for me was when I just said, I don't care if that sits well with me or if that doesn't sit well with me. I'm here and I'm receiving. God, I, I, I want your word. I want your promises. I'm, I have a relate. And what I love is uh, Hannah had such an incredible understanding of God that, that it bypassed that what could have been a sour moment. She had such a great understanding on the goodness of God. She had such a great understanding on honor that it changed everything. Because what you got to understand is offended Hannah's cause aborted vision. See, Hannah could have walked out that temple and said, I'm never going back there. I'm never going to pray. I'm never going to worship. I'm never going to seek God. And you know what would have happened? She would have never had a son. But Israel would never have had a king. Israel would never have had King David. I wonder what it is that we need to be positioned in in this season that's going to birth something incredible in the next season that's going to have a catalytic effect for the seasons to come. I wonder what it is that heaven is looking for to partner with, with us today, with us in the season. That is saying, if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, then I'm going to do something that is so significant. I'm going to do something that is so shifty. Because you've got to understand that God had a vision for Israel. And a part of that vision was going to be through the birth of Samuel. How powerful is this? Hannah's understand humility. They understand honor. I want to I encourage you in this season. Let's get practical. I, I want to encourage you in this season. Like, okay, what does that look like to me? Text people you wouldn't text. Call people you wouldn't call. Return a phone call. Get back to somebody. Where could we bring honor back? 
Where can we bring humility back? Because when we begin to step in this, so many times people uh, talk down this thing called honor. We, we think honor is, uh, you're just trying to, trying to be in the good books. That's not what it is. It's a spirit. It's an understanding. It, and, and, and honor, is, you know, and can I tell you something? Honor looks great on you. When you walk in honor, you lift everything up. You lift the person up. You, you sort of lift yourself up. You lift the room up. And you know what? God's exalted. Are you with me? In a marriage, honor. Well, I'm not going to say anything until she says, she says sorry. I'm not going to say sorry. Until he does that, I'm not, until he does it. Can we, can we bring honor back? Because when honor is in the room, it positions us for birthing of the Samuel. I believe there are some Samuels that need to be born in our homes. I believe there are some promises that need to come forth. But it's going to come from a place of honor. Because honor looks good on us. And so now in this part of the story, Hannah crosses over. She receives the word from Eli. She has this boy called Samuel. She names him. And then she's taking care of him. And I want us to jump to verse 24 where it says, And when the child, that Samuel, was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice. And verse 35, 25, it says, After sacrificing the bull, they brought, brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he's granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. And the next chapter literally is a song. Hannah sings a song, song of praise. I'm not going to go into that. But verse 18, this is what it says. But Samuel, the second Samuel chapter two, first Samuel chapter two, verse 18. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year, his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. So I want you to understand this dynamic, okay? Are you with me? Samuel is born. He's the baby. Mommy Hannah is taking care of the baby and goes through the season of feeding and all that. We do not know how old he is. Maybe he's three years old. Maybe he's four years old. She takes him to the temple, old enough to remember mom, obviously, takes him to the temple, gives him to Eli. Mr. Discerning Pastor gives it to Eli, gives him to Eli, says, he's going to serve you. He's going to serve the temple. And then this is what I need you to understand. Hannah would visit the temple once a year. I need you to listen to this because I think this is the key moment. Once a year she would visit the temple. She would see Samuel. So Samuel turns seven, she sees him. Samuel turns eight, she sees him. Samuel turns nine, she sees him. Once a year, she gets to hug him. Once a year, she gets to kiss him. Once a year, she gets to embrace him. But then what stood out to me was when my Bible said that every year she would bring a linen clothing. So I want you to picture this. He's turned seven. She hugs him, embraces him. She goes home and she starts stitching. The other kids are running by. Mommy, what you doing? I'm stitching. What you doing? I'm stitching. I'm stitching. I'm stitching. Every year, the next year, she'd give him this new robe. Go back home. Start stitching again. New robe. Start stitching again. 
new robe. She get, she, he couldn't be in the house, but she gave him a garment that was in the house for 365 days. But here's what stood out to me. See, because Lee and I, we've got three kids, and just, just this week, our daughter Elise needed to get a new pair of shoes. And so we bought her these pairs of sports shoes, and they were all good. And then she said, Dad, I want to get her shoes with a tick. <laughs> you know what she's talking about? She's talking about Nike. I want to get a shoe with a tick. And they're like, okay, let's go. So we go to the place, and, you know, we get a foot measured and everything. And, and so she loves the shoe. She comes home. She's running around. And two days later, she's like, I'm, I don't think the shoe's big enough. And so we have having this thing, oh, we measured it. And, you know, how did I, you know, we were all there. It was a family event, right, that went wrong. So now, and by the way, the boxes were thrown, the receipts were thrown. And we got to go back, right? We got to go back and try and replace the shoe. So I'm like, they're looking at me. I've got the mask on. Is this a real guy? You know, what's going on? No, it's me. It's me. You know, we're showing bank statements. And my, my God, I mean, they were pretty good. But we got a new pair of shoes. I walked out of that and I started thinking about the scripture. My own daughter, who I spend every day with, who I drop to the school, who I pick up from school, who I so deeply, dearly love, I struggled with getting her the right shoe. And I begin to wonder, how did Hannah know Samuel's measurements? Think about it, right? She meets him when he's year six and goes home and stitching a new one. What if it fit wrong? But here's what I'm trying to say. Hannah had such a deep sensitivity to what she birthed. Hannah, what am I trying to say? Samuel was birthed in prayer and Samuel was held up in prayer. Samuel was birthed in deep sensitivity to God and Samuel was held up with a deep dependence on God. There are so many times we step into stuff and release things and God blesses us with things, but the question I want to ask is, do we maintain the sensitivity? Because that's what a hungry Hannah is and this is what I'm trying to say. A hungry Hannah has great hope. See, she had great hope that Samuel would be taller the next year. She had great hope that God would take care of her boy. She had great hope that Samuel would not have any health development issues. And she, was, she had great hope, great expectation. She had a great positive imagination. Here's what I'm trying to say. These are the attributes of a hungry Hannah. And this is what God is calling us in this day and age. He's calling us to walk in incredible humility that causes us to get on our knees He's calling us to incredible humility that causes us to go after God like we've never done before. He's causing us to walk in incredible honor that's causing us to walk with a spirit of excellence that, that, that we've probably not carried in a while. But most of all, he's calling us to walk in incredible hope. Hope that says the thing that God began, he will bring into fulfillment. The thing that God produced, he's He's guaranteed me that he will take care of. And I want to ask us the question this morning, are we willing to pray with such urgency? You know, the thing is, this message can be misunderstood because you might think this is a message of works. Oh, Pastor Alvin is saying I need to pray for 21 days. Pastor Alvin is saying I need to do this. I need to get this work done. No, no. What you got to understand is, you know, the name Hannah means grace. 
But the outworking of God's grace in your life comes when you approach his throne with humility. The outworking of God's grace comes in your life, come when you look through the lens of honor. The outworking of God's grace in your life comes when you have great anticipation and hope for the future. Are you with me this morning? And I want to pray for us this morning that there will be a birthing within our hearts that would say, God, I'm thirsty for you. God, I'm hungry for you. God, I need you. God, I need your presence. God, I need your touch. God, I need you. Let me tell you, I'm in a season. I'm in a season where if you come around me, if you're in the car with me, you might think I'm a madman. And I make no apologies for it. You might be, you might, where did you go this morning? I went to the church where there's the madman. I'm like Mad Hannah this, this season where I'm saying, God, I believe you've called us. You've called me. You've called us for such a time as this to see a great outpouring of your spirit. God, you've called me to see something incredible for this land and for the nations of the world. God, you've called me and I believe that something great is about to happen. You may not believe it right now, but I'm telling you in a decade, you're going to look back to these moments and know that God was birthing something incredible. See, when Hannah prayed, everybody mocked. When Hannah worshipped, everybody was like too far. When Hannah, when Hannah began to go to the doctors to have a medical examination, some people said it's too late. But when Samuel came forth, all oh, the joy that Hannah had to see her son rise up to the ranks to become the leader that he's called to be. See, you know what I'm talking about? See, Samuel... See, Hannah never went to the palace, but she went every day because Samuel was there. Hannah never anointed the greatest king of Israel, but she did because Samuel's hand pulled the oil. Hannah wasn't there when Goliath, she was probably dead by now when Goliath was slain, but she was there because Samuel was the mentor by the side of David said, come on, come on, come on. Hannah was in places that people thought she never was. Because in one chapter of her life, in one season of her life, in one moment of her life, there was something, oh, I never thought I would say this, but when I go to heaven, I want to see this person because I want to ask you, who gave you this much hope? Who gave you this wild imagination? Who gave you this kind of faith? Who prayed for you? Come on. Where are you from? I try to do some research on who Hannah's father is, but the Bible makes no mention. But there was something in her said, I want to birth something where I will never go into. I want to be a part of something that I might never fully see. But I will be remembered for my prayer. I'll be remembered for the spirit that I carried. I'll be remembered for what I wore. And in the season, Downpour Church, I believe people, even people that bear resonance to this message are people that have that spirit of Hannah on them. The people that have that spirit of hunger on them that says, God, I don't want to just be remembered as a name and a memory, as a, oh yeah, I lived it. Let bygones be gone. Let that be that. No, this is a Kairos moment. This is a prophetic moment. This is a divine moment. I'm excited about this moment. I'm excited about the church in, in large about this moment because I believe something incredible is actually going to be birthed by the churches of this era. Something divine, something sovereign, something strategic, something that has never seen. I want you to imagine the chaos of Israel because in Hannah's day, they lived in the memories of Moses and Joshua. 
Oh, I remember Moses. I remember Joshua. But they had no idea that David was coming and David would overshadow all of that. And so many times we look back at the Moses and Joshua moments of our life, not looking forward to the Samuel and the Davids that are about to be born. But the transition between Moses and Joshua comes in the place of prayer. It does not come with arguments. It does not come with debating. It does not come with theological understanding. It comes on my knees. It comes in the posture of hunger. It comes in a place of divine expectation. And desperation. I've been more desperate for God in this season than I have been in a long time. And usually when that happens, I'm not forcing myself to, oh, Alvin, get desperate. Oh, Alvin, that's us. There's just a spirit in the air. And it's available to everybody that asks. There's a spirit that's out there that you say, God, put upon me that spirit of prayer. Put upon me that spirit of worship. Put upon me that spirit of hunger. Because Lord, I, if, if you chose for me to be born in such a time as this, Something great, something great, something great is around the corner. Why don't we pray right now? If you're able to stand up, why don't we pray together as a church? Why don't we dedicate this moment? And I want to pray right now, literally, for a spirit of prayer to come upon us. The Bible says Hannah was in deep anguish because she knew there was something, there was something, there was something. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is not something that can be manufactured. This is not something that can be demanded. This is not something you can command people to do. This is a work of grace. But I believe there's a grace in this place. There's a grace in this season. There's a grace over this calendar. There's this grace over this year for people to rise up in a place that they've never risen up towards. For people to go after you like they never have. For people to linger a bit longer in your presence. Father, I pray right now for a fresh download of your presence. I pray right now for a spirit of prayer to come upon your church. I pray right now for a hunger to be birthed in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're able to pray, why don't you open up your mouth and start praying. Father, I pray for a deep hunger right now. I pray for a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, for a moving of your, of your work, Father, in this place and among us. Father, I pray that people would, as they listen to this message, have an awakening like Hannah saying, God's called me for more. God's called me for more. God's designed me for more. God's, that God's asking for more. It feels difficult. It feels transitional. It feels awkward. It feels a bit out there. But God, I don't want to miss what you have for me. Because my Bible says that greater is He that is in me than what is around than He that is in the world. And so Father, right now I pray for a fresh impartation of Your Spirit over Your church. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, pray, 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 pray. I know, uh, don't go home and pray right now. Activate this word right now. Pray, pray, pray. The service is not yet over. Just pray for a moment. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray with a new hunger. Pray with a deep hunger. Pray from that place of depth. Go after God. Forget who's sitting next to you. Forget who's behind you. Forget who's front of you. Don't have to behave. Just go after God for a moment. I give you permission for the next 30 seconds to just go after God. I give you permission for the next 30 seconds, Lord. In the name of Jesus, just go after God. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for a deep hunger, a deep hunger, a deep hunger. We, Lord, we give you permission. We give you permission.
We give you permission. We give you authority. We thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus.